from the Duck South Studios in Morgan City, Mississippi. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. This is the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Get the governor harumph. What we've got here is failure to communicate. This podcast is being brought to you by Joseph Presley at Four Corner Properties. Joseph Presley is the 2016 Recreational Real Estate Agent of the Year for Mississippi. If you are in the market for a piece of deer, turkey, or duck hunting property in Arkansas, Louisiana, or Mississippi, give Joseph a call. Joseph can be reached at 601-540-7240 or check out their website at www.4cplandandhomes.com. I said what I said and I'll stand by it to the death. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And now, here are your hosts, J. Paul Jackson. They spent... Listen to this, $1 million on ads against me in Iowa. Now here's the good news. They use the best pictures. I look so good in those pictures. I'm trying to find where they got them. Rocky LaFleur. Yo, Adrian! Jake LaTundras. Where are you going? Going west. Gotta go west. And Josh Webb. You don't say much, do you? Welcome to the On Next Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I'm your host, J. Paul Jackson, joined by my co-host today, Josh. I'm a turkey-killing fool, Webb. And Rocky, I'm just a fool, LaFleur. Hey, you know what? I do have to ask forgiveness for both of y'all as I scrounge through my papers in the Duck South Studios. I do have to ask forgiveness for both of y'all. And I'm going to surprise okay. you as to why. I told you and Josh some bad facts last week. Really? <laughs> so I, w- I want to correct myself on the record to all those, to y'all and to the people that listen to this podcast. The Wonder Years was not the number one show in 1989. Uh, J. Paul, you actually <laughs> guessed the number one TV show at that time. And the other thing was, is I made myself look like a fool telling you that Seinfeld wasn't around in 89. It actually started in 89. Yes. So, yes. But yes. before we go any further, I wanted to apologize and get the record corrected. Thank you, Rocky. So, Josh, no save Josh, by the bell I, I talk think we this can... week. <laughs> Well, Josh, uh, I think we can accept his apology. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I mean, I don't have much argument in it, being that '89 was the year I was born. I'm still a Kelly fan, <laughs> but I was still, I was still an infant, and so doesn't really, doesn't really change anything. Oh my goodness! Born in 1989. Okay. I've got suits in my closet older than you are, Josh. I, I've got I've got shoes that are older than you are. <laughs> well, you you can date yourself all you want. I'm, I wouldn't tell anybody how old you are. <laughs> Rocky, I, I bet my... you've got gym shorts older than Josh. What do you think? I was getting my man hair. Nineteen eighty nine. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> way, way, way too much information there. a funny story real quick. And this is true in 1989. <laughs> uh, it was my first year to play junior high football. And to look at me now, you would have never thought that I was behind when it came to growth. Because I'm 6'6", uh, 280 pounds. <laughs> but in seventh, in seventh grade, I was way behind everybody else. And so really? in junior high football... You know, you you shower together after football practice. You didn't think anything about it. But as you looked around the locker room, you noticed one difference, major difference about everybody else. Everybody else is a lot hairier than I was. (laughs) (laughs) I went up to this guy that I really looked up to. He was the quarterback of our football team. And I said, man, 
how'd you get all that hair? I want some. And he said, look, this is what you got to do. His family farm, he said, I know your family farms. Next time you have some fertilize around the farm, what I want you to do is take a wet rag, and I want you to roll some fertilize up in that wet rag and then put it up on both your arms and squeeze it down. I said, that really works? He said, yeah, make sure it's triple 13. <laughs> so anyway, I did it, and man, I woke up the next morning, and it had, it had almost caused second-degree burns. It, was so, it burnt my skin so far and so deep. But I kid you not, two weeks later, I had, I had underarm hair. <laughs> okay, kids at home, please, please. Don't, don't try that. Prepubescent child out there. Oh, my, I don't even get old. I mean, I'm driving down the highway today while we're recording. I'm looking at some of the most beautiful uh, duck and turkey hunting property around. And 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 <laughs> and we got and speaking of properties, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna change the subject right off the top because speaking of properties, uh, we want to remind everybody uh, of our, our of course our title sponsor, Mr. Joseph Presley and Four Corner Properties. Now, if you're looking for hunting recreational property in Mississippi, Louisiana, or Arkansas, there's only one guy to call, and that's Joseph Presley with Four Corner Properties. Right now, he's got several listings uh, of some of the best duck hunting ground in the Delta of Mississippi, a couple nice farms, Louisiana, Arkansas. So if you're looking for your next duck hole, Joseph Presley at Four Corner Properties is the man to call. Rocky, what's Joseph's phone number? 601-540-7240. Give me one more time. 601-540-7240. It's 4CPLandingHomes.com. Joseph Presley. All right, guys, now that we've taken care of paying the bills... Uh, tell me, how was your Easter, Josh? Oh, Josh. I'm talking on mute again. Uh, <laughs> I don't let him lie. I scared him away, I scared him away with the, 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 the hair talk. Uh, oh, he's so young, he may not have armpit hair yet. Who knows? Uh, Easter. Easter was fun. Um, because it was, uh, my, my little boy is, is old enough to start, uh, enjoying things like that. He's, he's a little, little past the year and a half old mark. So we went to, uh, a place up, uh, called Bull Bottom Farms. We, uh, we took him up there and of course they have Easter Bunny and stuff, but the, that place is really, really neat. They have, uh, in the fall, they have a big pumpkin patch and, corn maze and stuff like that but this time of year they they still have all kinds of stuff going on and uh, we we spent the whole day up there friday actually um and then for the weekend my my family came down spent the weekend we we had a lot of fun uh just really just hanging out um it, it was it was a lot of fun it was a good weekend yeah and rocky i'm sure with your three you had to have one heck of an easter egg hunt did you know no, I spent, I, no, I spent most of mine in the doghouse. What did you do? Believe me, me and me and Pothole, we have formed a bond the past three days because I've been in the doghouse. Uh, <laughs> my kids overheard me saying that there was no Easter Bunny. Ooh! Oh my gosh! Yeah, and they're that age where it's still cool to go. To go by those kind of things. I mean, to go to go by the rules of there's still Easter Bunny yeah. and Santa and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're still right in the. So right, I well, you, you were you were still in that threshold. I smoothed things over about the Easter Bunny with the kids, but let me just tell you, things that Roy not was so not smooth. a <laughs> No, <laughs> no. Like I said, me and Pothole, all of my all of my clothes have got shed black lab hair on them from living in the doghouse. <laughs> That's so, horrible. I'll, yeah, let let them find out on their own. Don't, don't don't let them accidentally overhear you saying that there's no Easter Bunny. It's not good. 
It's not guaranteed. Look, my daughter's is 17, 21, and about to be 23. Hey, and, and they still put out baskets that candy miraculously appears in, you know, overnight uh, on Easter morning. So, of course, they know better, but, you know, they still have the joy in it, and I'm so happy with that. We're We're a long way removed, though, from Easter egg hunts, and I definitely miss those days. Better oh, enjoy it while you can, too, guys. Because I'll tell you what, I'll, it goes. I always love Easter, back. man. I, I, you know, I, I, I will say that I think that Easter should be celebrated. It's one one holiday to me that it should be celebrated for the reason that we celebrate it. You know, uh, really and truly, I mean, the Christmas is fine. You know, everybody. I'm sure Jesus doesn't mind that we celebrate Christmas, celebrate Santa Claus the same day he was born, but the the reason that we're Christians is because he died on the cross and rose from the grave. So, <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe I'll get out of the doghouse. <laughs> I certainly hope so. Well, what, so did well, you have well, an Easter well, egg hunt uh, Yes, we did. Yeah, we did. I just came up and I, t- I told my kids that if if they told anybody else or, you know, they let it slip that the Easter Bunny wasn't real, that Santa Claus would put them on the naughty list. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Well, you smoothed it over with them, but, I mean, what what measures, if any, have you taken to get yourself out of trouble with, with Roy Ann? Ooh. Uh, beg for forgiveness. That's the only thing you can do. Flowers, flowers are a good thing. Uh, yeah, you know, a new handbag probably couldn't hurt. A gift certificate to her favorite boutique. There are a lot of cool ones there in Oxford. I'm sure there's got to be one she likes. And you know, the bottom line is, Rocky, you're probably going to have to spend a little bit of money here because, as as you know, <laughs> much as I'm sure she's enjoying seeing you. Begging and groveling. <laughs> Nothing works quite as good as just buying forgiveness, right, Josh? No, that's what I was just sitting here thinking of all the. Uh, I was actually about to uh, just go on and Google all the possibilities of, uh, of boutiques and, and and salons and places that that Roy Ann might like to go, and just just send it on over to you, Rocky, just to try to help yeah. you out. Cause I can um, tell because you, I can... you know, you know. You know, some people go to the uh, to the, the nice big supper idea, but if she still doesn't want to see you or talk to you, that's not a good idea. So exactly, you know. <laughs> so let let her go do something on her own. Yeah, the quiet dinner table is is never fun. And I can tell you, after twenty four years of marriage, the best way to get forgiveness is just buy it. Just go out and spend a little bit of money. You know, and that, that's if roles were flipped, you know, men are so easy. We're so easy to forgive. These that, women. Ah, you said it, I didn't. No, it's true. It's true. You know, I mean, that's all it takes. <laughs> hey, let her walk in wearing something sexy. You know, give you the look. Boom! Everything is forgiven. Oh, oh. You backed into my brand new truck. No big deal. Oh, you burn you burn a hole in my favorite <laughs> Look, hunting coat. Hey, hey while, okay. while we're while we're on this type of subject, Rocky, did you ever find out who sent the Playboy to your house? No, I never did. <laughs> yeah, because I knew we didn't talk about that with Jay Paul, so I was just seeing kind of reaction he would have. But I, I have been Jay Paul wasn't me. Yeah, one of the ones Josh and I did by ourselves um, a few weeks back. Let me tell you real quick, Jay Paul. Somebody pulled a prank on me. Somebody sent, uh, subscribed me to a free subscription to Men's Health Fitness and then Playboy and sent them to the apartment <laughs> in in Oxford to our condo. <laughs> and let me tell you something. A magazine can and it, it 
can be used as a deadly weapon because when that Playboy <laughs> came flying across the room, I mean, it tagged me right in the titty. And getting hit in the titty, no matter if you're a man or a woman, it freaking hurts. <laughs> I can see Roy Ann's face right now. You walk in the door, explain this, buddy. Those in a cross room, whack, ouch, that got me in the nipple. You're going to think, nipple, you have a subscription to Playboy, Rocky LaFleur. Explain this right now. Am, is that a fairly accurate reenactment, Rocky? Well, I, I knew it had to be because I didn't do it. Anything that I use um, to order or to subscribe to anything, I always have to use my proper name, which is Bradley. And so I knew that somebody didn't know it because they put Rocky on it. I would never put Rocky on a magazine subscription. Sure, that's what you tell Roy Ann anyway to try to get yourself <laughs> yeah. off the hook. And look, you know, you know, he tried to play it off too because it was it was bought or whatever subscribed to with uh, with one of those uh, like a prepaid Visa or like a gift card type thing. So he tried to use that as an excuse too. But I mean, you know, it was. That's, that's, I called the subscription what, company. What, I know. I mean, I was standing there when you did that, but, I mean, oh, I got blamed for it first thing. I walked in the door first thing. You do this. I'm like, do what? Don't don't act like you didn't do it. I, do what? And I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I wish I had a thought of it now. <laughs> That's a good joke to pull on your buddy. Hey, let me tell you this, though. In that same podcast, J. Paul, the pranks that you can pull on your buddies like that, the best one I ever pulled was at at deer camp with this guy. He had gotten this brand-new rifle, and at the time, this rifle cost about 2000 bucks. So in in Mississippi, we have a, a statewide classifieds here that's called the Trade Winds. And so I called in, and he talked about this rifle for two or three days, and everybody was sick of hearing him talk about this rifle. I mean, just sick of it, because he talked about it for three days straight. So I called Tradewinds, and I put an ad in the Tradewinds for that rifle for $500, a $2,000 rifle. And he had, <laughs> he probably had 100, 150 phone calls for that rifle. <laughs> That was low. <laughs> I bet he didn't brag about the rifle anymore. <laughs> oh, he was he was scrounging trying to figure out who put it in the trade winds. Wow. Well, I thought about you earlier today, and I'm about to pass the spot this morning. Uh, as I was going out of town, I passed a field, and there was a big-ass gobbler with... 10 or 12 inch beard that looked like a big old thick rope hanging down, just strutting right out in the middle of this field that I'm driving by right now. And there was one lone hen right at the edge of the field. And uh, I pulled over on the side of US 412. And uh, for fun, I'd honk the horn on the truck. And every time I'd hit that horn, he'd blow up and gobble. And I thought, golly, Bill, Rocky would wet himself if he's here with me. Oh heck yeah! Because I've been stuck in class. I've been stuck in class for two days, so going hunting would be a great thing to do right now. Well, unfortunately, I wasn't hunting. I don't have permission on this particular spot. I do on the other side of the river from it, but not where this particular gobbler was. And then we got to get into some waterfowl talk. But get this: so then I'm on my way to Memphis. Um, took a vehicle to my daughter. By the way, uh, as a little aside here, um, found out something going around Memphis um, fairly common happened to her last week. You guys know about this, but a buddy of mine with Shelby County Sheriff's Department said that it's very common to be where. Um, for a little while, people were rear-ending people, and then when they pulled over, they were still in their car. Well, now they've flipped that. Um Instead of rear-ending them, they are doing what happened to my daughter last week. She was driving down the expressway, broad daylight, in traffic, and an SUV cut her off and slammed on the brakes, intentionally causing her to rear-end them. 
And, of course, she stopped. And when she did, the driver of the car, a woman, um, jumped out and started basically yelling at her and, and trying to distract her and getting her to come look at her car. And the passenger, another woman, jumped out of the SUV, ran, got my daughter's purse, stole all of her money, and they jumped back in the SUV and left her sitting there on the side of the road. It was a set-up smash and grab. But anyway, so uh, if you're in a wreck in Shelby County, best advice, roll up the windows, call 911. Don't leave the vehicle until the police arrive. Mackenzie wasn't quite so smart, but she's only a few dollars poor for it, thank God. But anyway, I was taking a car to her today. and uh, Wow. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That is nuts. You know, and my buddy, the deputy with Shelby County Sheriff's Department, he tells me that in a lot of cases that she was very lucky because in a lot of cases they steal the vehicle, but they had done so much damage to the front of her Altima, they probably just decided to rob her instead. Um, and also, there have been a couple of instances in the last few weeks where a girl like that has been involved, and the two ladies that get out of the SUV not only rob them, but also beat the living hell out of them. And uh, luckily for her, she didn't get beaten or have her car stolen. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's, you know, you don't hear a lot about it on the news, but apparently it's a fairly commonplace thing, and you always think it won't happen to you, but you know, it happened to my little girl, my middle daughter, just last week. Memphis has always been known as the <clears throat> auto theft capital of the world, hasn't it? <laughs> you better believe uh -huh. it. And, and, you know, nothing – uh, if I could play, pick any other place in the United States for her to live, I mean, I, I, just about anywhere would be preferable to Memphis just because crime it is just out of control. You know, I can remember as a kid growing up, being around farming, and everybody, the, the thing to do the last weekend in February every year is to go to the, the gin show in Memphis. And I can remember as a kid, so many people's cars getting stolen from the gin show. It, it, it was crazy, you know, way back when. Still is. Listen, yeah, we were down there. Yeah, that's what it was. The gin show in Memphis in May. I mean, that's like that's the worst two times uh I mean I know I know all kinds of people who had their stuff broken into or whatever at the gin show or if they went to Memphis in May. Oh, that was Bingo, that, that was just always the time when it happened. Was there working for Yukon Outfitters at Memphis in May last May and uh Preston Powell, the owner, we were staying um at a really nice hotel in East Memphis and uh the very first night there, um his truck they broke into his F two fifty and stole everything and disabled somehow they disabled his alarm system because he locked his truck with the key fob and they captured the frequency and then uh they use a frequency generator to duplicate it and unlocked his truck disabled the alarm he couldn't even lock his truck back when they were done wow and knowing hey, that I'll, that occurs, I'll, I actually always manually lock the doors on my truck whenever I'm in a city instead of using the little key fob for that reason. Let me tell you an interesting little fact real quick, because I had a police officer from New Orleans hunt with me back this past winter real quick, because I know we got to get the Delta Water file. But one of the most stolen items on a, on a truck, do you know what it is? Yeah, the receiver hitch, the drop that goes in the receiver hitch. He said one of the most stolen things in New Orleans is a tailgate with a camera. Really? Huh. Yeah. I haven't heard that. Me yeah, either. I mean, they, they, you know, they, and then they just put them up online for sale. You, you never can track them down, but uh, that's one of the most stolen items. So whenever you're in a truck, always back, you know, if you have a concrete wall or anything that you can back your truck up to, where you can't open the tailgate, he said, always do it. Because that is one of the most stolen 
and and highly rewarded for a thief is a is a tailgate with a camera in it. Wow. Wow. Learned something new. Well, the reason I brought up that, we got off on a tangent there about my daughter's wreck, but so today I was driving to Memphis taking her another vehicle and picking up her Ultima where I could get it fixed for her, and I'm driving down US 51, and I see a Canada Goose carcass, dead, lying on the side of the road. And uh, as I drove by, I thought, wow. That's something you never see a can of goose that's been hit by a car. And then I thought, wait a minute, you idiot. You better check that. You guys know what's coming, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can no. see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't. I so do. I, so, I, so, I, so I spin the car. I turn around. The first turn around I find. And I go back and I go to this goose. And sure enough, on its left leg is a big old band. Holding it in my hand right now. Holy crap! <laughs> yep, yep. I've got a I've got a band from a road a roadkill Canada goose. I didn't take any other parts, just the band off the leg of this goose. But, uh, <laughs> Man, how, how about that? So, well, I guess. Well, yeah, no, uh, no. That's what I was gonna say when you call it in. Um, but I don't know about a yeah. I know I know like when uh like if you kill a you kill a deer and you're gonna put it in Boone and Crockett or Pope and Young or whatever, you know, they ask if it was killed by archery, primitive weapon, rifle or or vehicle or other. And so I don't know if they do that I can't remember calling in bands. I don't know if they have that process, but I guess you would mark a uh, vehicle. <laughs> because people will find because people will find deer, you know, big deer or something run over by a train or yeah. you know or something, and so they have all these categories. I don't know if they have that for waterfowl when you call in a band. I don't know. That'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yep, I just thought that was crazy, and I just on a whim, I thought, you know what, that has got to be a a probably a grade or a resident that's more than likely been banded at some point, and uh, sure enough. I wasn't surprised at all when I turned back around. I'm sure. I'm sure people driving by me on on you know the four lane highway US 51 there were wondering what this idiot's doing with his pocket knife. Out. Man, I hope you bought a lottery ticket today. You know what? I haven't, but I'm made because that was pretty dang cool. And uh, I'll take a photo of it and send to you in a minute, guys. It's a. Uh, uh, a little bit worse for wear. It's also was thin enough. I was at. It's been on this goose for a while. I'll be very interested in seeing when it was banded because it was thin enough that I was actually able to remove it uh, by hand. But, yep, wow. pretty dang interesting. Canada banded Canada goose. Now this one will be a story. I'm definitely putting it on the lanyard just for the story value to it. But. Uh, <laughs> Sell it right, on guys. eBay. You know, you got... Uh, no, I didn't shoot duck- it. I might as well. <laughs> duck-hunting cowboys that have lanyards full of bands that they bought off of eBay. That's a yeah. big deal now. I could take my wife to dinner next time I get in the doghouse or buy her a gift certificate to a nice boutique. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So, anyway, for those of you that are... that may not have listened to last week's podcast out there in our listening audience. Um, recently, the spring issue of the Delta Waterfowl magazine, uh, there were a couple of uh, very interesting articles that caught my eye, one of them being incredible retrieves. By the way, uh, we didn't talk about this last week, but one of the retrieves that was written about in the magazine was our buddy T.J. Mallett, with his dog that came out of um, Achilles, the dog that I won the gold medal in the ESPN Great Outdoor Games with. I actually was flipping through the magazine and, and forgot to mention that. But the other article that was the main topic for us last week concerned the decline in the number of people that are currently waterfowling from an all time high in 1970 of over 2 million. In 2015, for the first time in 
50 years, that number dropped to 990,000, just below a million. And a lot of people find that very hard to believe because if you take a look at a lot of the public boat ramps on opening day, you would think that duck hunting is more popular than ever. But the fact of the matter is, you know, numbers don't lie. And Paul Waits' article was dead on, but Delta's got a lot of pushback about that. And we asked for feedback from listeners. So, Rocky, tell me, what have we got? All right, this is, look, I, I want to read this one because th- there's a guy on Duck South. His name is Crackhead. Um, <clears throat> one of the most well-respected people on the site uh, has a duck camp there. Uh, I think it's on the floor of Tallahatchie County line. But I thought that he hit it right on the head. And this is kind of what I was trying to say last week and one of the things that I was saying. But let me read this to you. I want you to think about it for a second. It says, the aging hunter who grew up hunting because it's what kids did back then are not being replaced with the younger generation now that other option, now that kids have other options and choices. It said, I grew up hunting in the club. My family started in the 40s. I'm 43 now, and all my kids, all the kids I grew up with hunt. Now we're on the fourth generations of sons who should be hunting. The age class of those kids is less than 10% who have chosen the love of the outdoors. I agree the mid-30s have fairly heavy presence in the hunting world, which also, which are also the ones who have the income to pursue the sport and the voice of the social media, media which have caused the uproar. But it's the 16 years old to mid-20s who have chosen a different path. They're not buying licenses, and that is the decline that he, that he sees. He says less buying in the younger age class and more not having to buy due to age or just not or just too old to hunt. In years to come, if the younger generations don't latch on to what it takes to hunt and fish and learn the woods, I truly believe our sport will decline to the point it will not be able to sustain itself. So that's pretty pretty spot on too. No, I I fully agree with him, man. I, you know, yeah, I do too. That explanation. I think that's where the decline is coming from. And you think about, I was just telling somebody the other day, I want you to think about this for a second. You know, you know my kid Showcoats, and I hate to bring this into a waterfowling podcast, but um, one of the issues in, in the, the goat showing world of 4-H is you have to be eight years old to be able to show. Well, we had a meeting about two weeks ago, and one of the points that I brought up and I'm not looking out just for my kids. I'm looking out for the future of 4-H. But how are we ever going to grow 4-H if you don't let them show until they're eight years old? Because let me tell you, kids get involved in soccer, baseball, whatever it may be, bat, you know, uh, YMCA basketball, whatever it is in the wintertime to keep them away from doing these things. So get them involved early. And 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 I don't and that translate over to the hunt world. I you know it's we just we're not doing it. These Amen. kids aren't hunting. Yeah, I mean there's states there's still some states that that have age restrictions on when the kid can can go. I mean they can, can go period. Um, and then they have age restrictions on when a kid can can shoot and everything like that. And I mean I'm all for safety and and stuff like that, but. Um, I mean, I, I don't understand why why they would do that. I didn't know that about 4-H. Um, you know, I don't I don't understand that because I mean, yeah, your little boy he's he's little, but he's he's old enough to to show a go. Give him some interest in something. Give him a little bit of responsibility, and that goes a long way. I mean, it, it's crazy to think, but by the time he is eight or ten, he will have already learned a heck of a lot more just about life in general than. How to turn on, turn off a TV and a computer? Right. You got to get them early. That, I mean that, and that, I mean that, that goes right over into hunting or fishing or whatever it may be. But um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not one for the age restrictions on stuff like that. I don't. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't like that. Well, you know, I, I think that he crackhead was dead on. I mean, we are not getting kids involved early enough and interests are changing listen the other night 
my wife and I were talking because I ran into uh, my neighbor from when I was a child. <laughs> and actually, the way that I ran into her, this is so horrible. And if Hannah were to listen to the podcast, she'd kill me. But my youngest daughter, Hannah, um, she got a speeding ticket. Only thing that she's done in the last couple of years, she's really uh, thought about grounding her for and really couldn't even then because it's the only thing. But she got a speeding ticket one morning going to school. So I was taking a look at the options and went into juvenile court. And the lady that's over juvenile court, I grew up with her sons. And they're, you know, my age adults now. Uh, they're actually one of them's grandfather. And she's a great grandmother now. But my wife and I were talking because when I found out that Miss Gertie was over uh, juvenile court and called her up and told her about Hannah's situation, she's like, OJ Paul, you know, she's got good grades, you know, we can get her in driving school and, and, you know, we'll take care of it and uh, I'll take care of you just like I always have, was something she said on the phone and I was telling my wife about it that night. In the neighborhood that I grew up in, when I was a kid in the late 60s and 70s and early 80s, you know, we didn't have video games. I mean, we rode our bicycles, we played outside, we kicked the can on summer nights, backyard, sandlot, baseball games. And when I was a kid, I guess every mama around me, because our little house at 125 Gurley Drive, all of our neighbors, the, the five closest houses to us, um, all had kids, kids my age. And I believe for sure four out of five and maybe five out of five of those mamas at some point when I was a little boy whipped my ass, okay? Miss Gertie included. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, hey, you know, if, if the neighbor saw you messing up, it was okay. I mean, they were going to treat you just like your mama. You know, they'd yank you up right there and spank your butt. And it was just a totally different time. I learned to drive like Rocky, I'm sure you did, you know, when you were probably 10, 11, 12 years old. By the time I was 12, you know, I could drive. We have kids today that are 18, 19, 20 years old that still don't even have a driver's license. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, that's a great point. I'm glad you said that. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got kids. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not going to say who I was talking to. I'm not going to name any names. This was new news to me. I'm not, uh, even though these individuals don't listen to this podcast, it, it could eventually get around to them and be very obvious of who I'm talking about. But it came to my attention over this last weekend that there is someone they don't live in Mississippi, 22 years old, about to graduate college, and trying to decide whether or not they're going, uh, trying to decide what uh, they're going to do a study abroad. And they're trying to decide uh, one was in Italy, the other was somewhere else. But one of the main reasons that it has become such a problem is because in all but one of the, I think there's three trips this person's trying to decide between, in two of them, uh, they have to be able to drive. And this person is 22 years old and has never, not at the current time, never had a driver's license. Ever. Ever. Period. Ever. Yeah, I mean... And is 22 years old, and when this person goes somewhere, they take an Uber. That's what they do. Uh, they do their, I mean, they've been in college for four years. They graduated high school. Never, I mean, never had a, And it wasn't because the parents said no. It was because that's what they chose. They just, they don't, so cannot drive. So, um, and I think now it's maybe showing them that what seems like a simple thing as a driver's license is limiting them in, in advancing themselves because they've got these great opportunities ahead of them, but, oh, I can't drive. And yeah. and now and now they're like, oh, well, crap, you can't, you can't do this. And brilliant person. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from them. Just, I mean, just as brilliant as can be. But when I have a driver's license, there's a lot you can't do, you know? And so, well, and, but that's and so anyway, that, when you said that, it just, it just kind of struck me. Uh, I meant to bring that up earlier. Yeah, and that's common. It's societal changes. You know, and my point wasn't to say that I was such a brat when I was a kid that all the neighbors' mamas had to beat my ass. My point was that, you know, you wouldn't dream of doing that 
today. But, you know, we played outside. You know, we we caught crawfish in the ditches, you know. We didn't have a swimming pool. We loved we loved a big flash flood because, hey, that was the opportunity to, to go swim and play in the ditches, you know. And it, the societal changes that we're seeing in our culture, I think that has resulted in the decline of the number of hunters out there in general, waterfowlers in particular, because duck hunting is, it's not like deer hunting where you can, you know, sight in a rifle, sit in a tree, and if you see one, shoot it. You know, you've got to take a boat, you know. I mean, you got to put in some effort. That's right. That, that's it. Exactly. You got to put in some effort. Um, usually, there's work involved. you got to put in some and, effort. That's it. And, and it, nobody likes that word, and they're scared to death of work. So why, you can't I'm drive I'm a car. Out. You sure as heck can't probably drive a boat. You know, all right. Well, you, oh, oh, I'm going to Let me throw this question out there to you, both of you then. Because growing up, and I've heard this from multiple people that are huge duck hunters now, and Josh, not going to name drop here, but Tony Vandemore, you know, him talking about growing up hunting, there was only one weekend a year that he was able to go hunting um, with the man that that taught him how to duck hunt, and that was his grandfather. That was on that particular club, though. He can only oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right, but, and I, but a and lot I disagree, of clubs and didn't I disagree allow with children. that. That's right, and I disagree with that. Um, and, you know, and I and we talked about that when we were when we were with Tony. And you know, the deal was Jay Paul was on. There was only one weekend a year. His granddad was a member of this big club up there, and one weekend a year they were allowed to bring a guest, and and Tony wow. was always his granddad's guest, and so. Uh, any other time, if his granddad was there and his granddad hunted there, you know, he said almost, I think they had one or two weekdays they could hunt, you know, as a member, and then the weekends, and his granddad would go, but he went with his uncle a lot, too, because his uncle was in a different club or a different situation where he could go you know, pretty freely. So, but, but I, I disagree with, I mean, but I, I think, but, but I'm just saying that, why didn't, why didn't interest wane in duck hunting then? When you know a lot of kids weren't allowed in camps, is it uh, you know are kids uh, not allowed so, in camps now? There's just no. there's just so much more that a kid get, and everything's instant gratification now. So people don't think kids, especially, <clears throat> don't think that they fit in if they're not going out there and killing something every time they go because they think that's what they're supposed to do. It's just like every little girl thinks they have to be you know skinny and tall and have blonde hair because that's what supermodels think. And that's what they're always taught, and that's what they're always shown on the front of magazines. The same way with hunting, you know, kids don't think they're doing anything if they're if they don't have anything to come back home and show. They don't take they don't take the they don't take away the importance of of learning every single time they're in the woods, no matter what they're hunting or fishing. Yeah, and I would say that Tony's grandfather's club is the exception, definitely not the rule. I mean, I can remember my dad, my grandfather owned a boat dock. Um, back in the 60s at Real Foot Lake, he was a duck hunter. My father uh, was a duck hunter. My maternal grandfather was also a duck hunter. And I can remember my dad, uh, when I was too young to find waiters that would fit me, uh, carrying me in on his back, wading in and sitting me on a stump. You know, I can remember being in, in a lake boat with a charcoal box going out to Uncle's Blind on the lake. And it was something... Uh, my cousin Jackie, who's five years older than myself, his dad, my uncle, was a big duck hunter also. And, you know, every Christmas morning, that was a, a tradition with them. They would, uh, Uncle Jerry and Jackie, and, and sometimes I'd get to go along with them on Christmas morning. We'd go duck hunting, you know, and, and that just doesn't happen these days. So, so, all right, so let me ask you this. So, so both of you are saying that kids these days are kind of hardwired different in the brain. Absolutely. And so what I don't I'm know saying that they're is hardwired different. I think that they well, have different no, they activities. just that's it. There's just so there's just different activities. Well, but it kind of goes back to what you were saying in the instant gratification, though, Josh, and that and that's what I'm saying that you know it goes back to the fathers being at fault for not teaching the appreciation for the outdoors. It's not well, a there's, there's you know definitely a a big 
bridge that has yet to be built to, to to bridge that gap. For some reason, I don't know why, but it does not exist. There's or it, it exists, but just just barely. Um, well, but I mean, no, it, it's, it's just not there. There's there's very few. There's a lot fewer people who who get them involved or who care to, and and that's what that's what hurts me looking at it from afar. Is there's just there there's there's there may be a lot more kids that are interested in in outdoor activities, but there's but there no people doubt who, there's people who and and it may be the child of someone who doesn't hunt or fish, but they're interested in it, and there's fewer people you know with with friends down the street who are willing to take a kid because they so many kids think that they know it all, so nobody wants to try to teach them anything. And there's there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, I don't know misinterpretation of what people think and people just not wanting to teach anymore. Uh, I mean that's what I see firsthand. I mean I just see people just and Josh. I mean that was the the entire point. That was part of the big point of Paul's article in the magazine. Hey, you know the future of duck hunting is dependent upon duck hunters and those numbers. I mean it's. You know, license sales, stamps that that help conserve habitat, um, and with those numbers declining, the dollars, to, the number of hunters declining, the dollars decline too. And you know, we've got to look out for that. I mean, you have opportunities out there, and I think there are still kids that want to go hunting. But I think that crackhead, and you know, definitely nailed it that we have a generation that is not as in tune with hunting in general as previous generations, and that's part of the reason for the decline in numbers. The the article was a slap in the face to the people who who thought maybe that things were stronger than they've ever been and that they were doing something. I'm not saying that you're not doing anything good. You're not being a steward of the land and, and everything. I'm just saying that a lot of people take the mindset of I don't have to because somebody else will. And then this came out and and it's a slap in the face. I mean because the numbers don't lie. Nope. There's far fewer than there was when you were growing up and you're unfortunately not doing anything about it. And right, the only right, person and on. the only person that can right. do anything about it is Hunter. That's it. I mean right, Peter's not I'm, gonna I'm go on. and get people to go hunting. I'm gonna dig deeper. I'm gonna dig deeper into this. Let me ask you oh, just a simple yes or no to this question when you went hunting with your father or grandfather whichever it may have been did you ever hear them complain about a hunt being bad or sucking no. did you ever hear that come out of their mouth <laughs> nope never Are you kidding no all right all right no now go a little bit further all right no. what is the number one thing that you hear people uh say these days how'd the hunt go oh man it sucked Want any ducks a hunt oh, is a lot deeper than that. And if you're no, if what, I'm saying, what I'm saying to that point is if a kid sits around and listens to them say, oh, that sucked, that sucked, that sucked, that sucked. Well, what do you think a kid's going to do? They're not going to get out well, there and hunt. Well, that's the same thing. That's the same thing. That's why, yes, okay, they want instant gratification. So they put a picture up, people tell them, oh, you did great, you did great. But at the same time, they can put a picture up of a deer, and there's going to be someone, I don't care how old the, the person, the kid, whatever it is, that posts a picture, there's going to be one or multiple people that say, you don't need to kill deer like that, or you should only shoot greenheads, or what in the crap are you doing shooting wood ducks, or why would you, you know, and 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 so so then the instant gratification becomes instant refusal to ever do it again. So so they, they, they think the only way they can get gratification, the only way people will look at them in a positive light is if they have a picture with something in it, and then when they have a picture with something in it and they're excited about it, and then somebody says, nope, that sucks too, sorry. It's just the unwillingness to pat somebody on the back. And that usually comes from jealousy because, you know, you, I mean, don't get me wrong, yeah, you know, if I hadn't killed a turkey and my buddy of mine sends me a picture of a turkey he's killed, it, I don't know, it gets under my skin a little bit, but that's just that's just human nature. But I'm not like, you know, well, you need to be doing something else except turkey hunting. I'm <laughs> telling that. But that's the kind of stuff that kids hear. So, well, let me, let me ask you, Rocky. Well, go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That's it. Go ahead. Well, I'm curious. So what other feedback have we received? 
you know, obviously we got that from Crackhead, and I think he's got. Hold a on, day, hold day on. Before I give you, before I give you that, before I give you any more feedback, let me just say my third question to all of y'all. All of us have kids. Would your wife? Uh, and it goes to the second point of that whole article. The big thing is private versus public, and the cost of having private. Let me ask you something: Is there any possible way that your wife would allow? your children to go get in a boat with some of the video footage that we've seen come from public hunting spots in Mississippi, Arkansas, or Louisiana, the boat races? Nope. And, seen? you know, and that's the thing. That's just another, that's what I said when all that stuff came out. That is another, another tool that hunters, outdoors men and women, are, you're just handing ammunition over to non-hunting and hunting groups that are against, that are against outdoor activities you just you're yep. just i mean i mean yes okay that stuff happens it's there but uh, but that goes right back to the instant gratification that person put that video up just so they get exactly what happened they would get a viral effect with it they did and so what what do they have now i mean what oh oh you're the guy who put the video up no i mean nobody even knows who that guy is now it's over with it's gone it's gone you got to keep doing you got to keep having stupid content if you want to keep your <laughs> or content period if you want to keep your name in front of people but there's, all the, there's no all way our wives would let our children go no. get in a boat in that no no well actually mine would heck my wife and all three of my daughters have been in a boat with me but not in a boat race on public land like that you know i mean and again it goes back to you know different generation and what's important to you. Fortunately for me, my wife's into dogs. My wife's into duck hunting. So Melanie, you know, has been out there with me and with the kids. I mean, when they were little, we would take the girls to my blind down in the bottoms and bake biscuits and sausage and eggs and make cinnamon rolls. And all of my girls had BB guns, and all of my decoys had little dents in them because <laughs> I made sure they never got bored. You know, they could sit there and they could they could pop decoys with BBs all day long. They weren't going to knock a hole in them, and it gave them something to do. And uh, my kids grew up enjoying hunting, but that's not really normal these days. And I'm thankful for it, and I hope that if the three of them, any of them ever have children, that my grandkids will be into it also. But definitely, right, well, let me, my yeah, wife, let me, if she weren't in tune with all that, no, there's no way in hell she'd let, if I had sons, much less my daughters, get in a boat on public land. That's just bad right, for well, me, for our sport. Well, you know, that, all right, and, and talk about gratification and how things changed and whatever. You know, talk about that, J-Paul. Your decoys have dents in them. You know, heck, when I was little, that was one of that was one of the most fun things I could do was either take a BB gun or take a little bitty. I still have it. It was a little bitty uh, PSE compound, and I would take it. And you know, you know, what kind of gratification did did I get? It was when you know, my granddad was like, "I bet you can't shoot that decoy in the head, or I bet you can't take your bow and shoot that, you know, that leaf." Yeah. And then I would do it, or or if I didn't, it was a learning experience. If I did it, it was a pat on the back. In fact, we still talk about that. We talk about that stuff more Amen. than the stuff we've killed, you know? And this has been 20 years ago. Uh, but kids Get don't on. have, you know, completely different. All right, Rocky, go ahead. All right, well, let me bring this one up. And I thought it was a good point. Um, Samuel Teeples brought it up. And it, it goes kind of back to the the... Some people can't afford private land. We know that. They love duck hunting. They have to hunt public land. But the way that some of these places are so micromanaged, you know, there's only two days that you can hunt and four areas. And you have 5,000 people show up to be drawn for six blinds. And guess what? Everybody's kicked out. You didn't get drawn today. And that that kind of stuff to public land hunters gets frustrating. I, I understand that. Well, I mean, I understand the frustration, but that's also the fine line between public land use for uh, for for hunting or fishing and conservation. 
and that's a that's a fine line to walk because you. And I can tell to, you now, you've got to be careful not to make people too mad about it because you still they still need their funding for the conservation part of it, and you want those people to be just as involved in conservation as you do hunting. So yeah, that's yeah, a fine line to walk. But I understand what he's saying. I mean, yeah, that that's that's pretty frustrating. But I think that our fishing game agencies are in tune to that. I know in Tennessee and Missouri on public land that I hunt, they um, have computerized um, online opportunities that, you know, make you increase your odds, number one. They they, uh, also make that sense of rejection not nearly as great. It's not like a thousand people in person drawing for 10 blinds and so you know, I, I believe that fish and game agencies across the country are in tune to that, and they're going to have to be if we are going to continue to grow our sport, because right now it's definitely going backward and not forward. And and Clay Dees brought that up, too. You know, the way, the way that they were talking about it, you, you know, you're getting so many people funneled into certain areas because they didn't get thrown in this place. And they're getting funneled, and it's overcrowding in certain places because only certain places are good hunting. And I don't know. You just don't. You don't want to be in that situation. You don't want to put your kids in that situation. Amen. Well, I believe that a lot of people have. You know, at first there's a whole lot of pushback to the article, but I believe that a lot of people have had their eyes opened also. And that was the reason why I thought it would be uh, very important to bring it up and, and to give it um, some time here on the on the X podcast because you know let's face it without our sport this vehicle that the three of us enjoy so much doesn't exist. If you haven't seen the article, I would encourage you to go back, look in the spring issue of the Delta Waterfowl Magazine, read Paul Waite's article, and I promise you, you may not agree. You may think that, hey, that, you know, this is a myth, but it's not. It is a fact. Duck hunting numbers, the number of duck hunters has declined in the United States. And if we're going to continue to have a sport, we're going to have to find some way to reverse that trend. Also, I'd like to encourage, keep on giving us feedback. This is something that uh, definitely over the next few podcasts we want to circle back to. And go to the forum there on DuckSouth.com or go to our Facebook page and let us know. No, no, no. We have a Facebook group now. Yes, or a Facebook group. Amen. Let us know what your thoughts are, and it's something that, that, you know, I'm sure we're going to revisit. Well, guys, with all that said, I am now pulling into my driveway, and I've got to take care of a wrecked car and put this uh, newfound jewelry that I have here on my lanyard. Yeah, I, I just I can't be that lucky. I can't. Well, I'm fixing to go to the local local uh, convenience store and buy a lottery ticket here in just a few minutes. Also, <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. But well, uh, really I'm, enjoyed I'm it going, today. I'm going to eat me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> will it be a two hey. slicer? Will it be a one slice folder? Hey, let me ask y'all something: peanut butter and jelly. Do you mix the peanut butter and jelly together? Or and what kind of jelly do you like, real quick? Grape. Grape's good. I like apple too, but no, they're they're not they're not mixed. It doesn't bother me for it to be, but um, no, they're usually coming out of two different jars, so they go each have a slice of bread, put them together. So you're not one of those that that kind of mixes them together before. Um, no, but I mean, you spread I it, out. it wouldn't it wouldn't bother me. No, yeah, I mean, me either. No. I have bought the old Goobers brand where the peanut butter and jelly come mixed together yeah, I, already. I was there trying to think. Oh, yeah. man, you talking about a good dessert after eating, after eating dinner at night, you know, that 9 o'clock when you get that craving. Ooh, a tablespoon full of that stuff is good. <laughs> I'm trying to keep my ass from getting any fatter, so I'll just take your word on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Rocky, you go have your PB and J. Uh, Josh, don't know what you're up to this afternoon, but I figure you're about to go try to roost a turkey. Am I right? 
No, because I won't be able to hunt tomorrow. So, no. Usually, yes, but, but I'm not hunting tomorrow. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to give them a break. <laughs> well, hope you get back after them again here in a day or two. And next week, we're going to come back. We're going to take a look at some more comments. And I think Rocky has a, a, a another duck hunting topic that should be pretty entertaining and until then we want to thank all of you out there for taking the time to tune into this edition of the on the x podcast powered by ducksouth.com <laughs>